This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Team Penske after two in a row with Joey Logano's win in Las Vegas. Now they tackle Phoenix. The IndyCar season kicks off this weekend in St. Petersburg. IndyCar analyst Townsend Bell is here in studio to help us get ready. And boy, do we need help. It's, I'm sorry, AJ, that was not for you. It's a busy month. IMSA returns next week with the 12 hours of Sebring. And we have two guys who drove in the Rolex 24 at Daytona to break it all down. And did someone say Daytona? Monster Energy Supercross visits the World Center of Racing. 14 million pounds of dirt and a whole lot of action. Hello, you're in the Motorsports Hour when we talk all things racing. No Parker this week. That's why I took the little jab, AJ. I just That's, wanted you to feel I, I know, I was missing, I was home, missing yeah. the jab. But yeah. AJ Allmendinger, more than <laughs> capable of handling the heavy lifting. And our bullpen is also stacked because joining us today, IndyCar analyst Townsend Bell. Townsend, with the IndyCar season revving up this weekend, that means, if my math is right, only 80 days. Hold on until the Indianapolis 500. Ooh. Oh, bring out the milk. Is there anything else in the world like the Indy 500? Nothing like it. Biggest, Why? biggest race, biggest sporting event in the world. Over 300,000 fans there on race day and really the fastest race in the world. It's a cathedral of speed, the biggest prize to, to win. I've been there 10 times, but I can't tell you how excited I am to go with our NBC team and commentate the race for, for the first time. And what does it mean to win Indy? We'll look back to last year, and Will Power will show you. <laughs> Crazy eyes. You become psycho when you win the Indy 500. Well, he knows what it means, and, and he was absolutely thrilled. And that guy's going to be tough to beat. He'll be coming after his second one this year. I love that reaction. You've been in it. It's, you know. it's just it's hard to really put into words. when that On race day, you know, my first year, my, my only season, 2013 running the Indy 500, you know, I thought I was prepared. You spend two to three weeks there. You feel like you're ready. And then race day, you wake up and just those raw emotions, the nerves, the excitement, everything just kind of rolls into one. And then when they announce your name to walk out there and be ready for the Indy 500, uh, I remember shaking in the car, getting ready to go. And then you drop the, uh, drop the green flag for the biggest race in the world. And it's, uh, I mean, we, we, you saw Will Power's reaction. I, I remember taking the lead there and I've won some races. I've never been that excited as taking the lead at the Indy 500. As you go, the way you guys talk about it, I mean, I'm so excited. It's going to be obviously uh, here on NBC and the NBC platform. So we're excited to bring it to you just 80 days away. But we do have to rewind a little bit. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves because the IndyCar season starts this weekend. You're on your way down there to, to call the races. What are the storylines that you guys have already written down or that you're already looking at even before the season begins? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, the, the, the big teams in the sport uh, will be the big teams again this year, the, the, the favorites. That's Penske, that's Ganassi, that's the Andretti team. But I look for who jumps from that second tier up and surprises us. 
Uh, last year was Sebastian Bourdais, Coin Vassar, Sullivan. They came out, they won the season opener in St. Pete. And so I really look to who's going to surprise us because I think there's some potential to really get surprised this year. And then, of course, you got to see where Honda and Chevy kind of net out in the first race. That'll really set the tone for what the balance of the season looks like. Really, and for me, you got the heavy hitters. You got the, the, the top three teams, as you said, and, and the names that go with that. Can a rookie or, or a guy that maybe hasn't had a struggling year, a, a Graham Rahal, James Hinchcliffe, they struggled last year to a certain extent. Or can a rookie like Felix Rosenquist, Marcus Erickson that's joining uh, James Hinchcliffe as a teammate step up, or a young American like Colton Hurtis. So can one of those guys kind of get their foot in the door and kind of wedge themselves as, as a driver and a team that can go out there, run with the big three, and talk about them not just for a couple of races but every weekend – as a team or a driver that can go and, and really fight for this championship. It's interesting because you guys have already mentioned some names. We haven't even hit on some of the. I mean, I know you mentioned the, the big three in NASCAR. We always had the, the big three last year in terms of the organizations. But, yeah, I mean, Scott Dixon. Um, you talked about Will Power with the Indianapolis 500. There's some big names who are coming back for the Indianapolis 500 this year. Yeah, and you've got guys like Alexander Rossi now fully settled into the IndyCar Series. He's won an Indy 500, finished second in the championship last year. He's going to be strong all year. Hinchcliffe needs a good, strong season. Alonzo's coming back and so many stories, but how do you beat Scott Dixon? That's what everybody in, in the series asks themselves. And that's one thing that Scott Dixon hasn't done in his career is win back-to-back -back championships. So he can he get to number six? Castro Neva is going after his fourth win at Indianapolis. That's going to be fun to watch because he's lost none of his enthusiasm <laughs> for driving, talking, or racing the Indianapolis. Dancing. Just, just waking up in the morning, he's excited. Yeah, yeah and you, I'm so glad you guys mentioned Scott Dixon because no question, looking to continue his championship-winning ways. The champion for 2003 is Scott Dixon. I guess the five-year thing did, did, uh, didn't play out. I just, I still can't believe that we've actually won the championship. This is fantastic. Scott Dixon not only wins in Sonoma, but wins the 2015 championship. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for Damn it, man. I can't believe it. Scott Dixon, he always delivers. Scott Dixon is on the verge of something truly special and significant. Something that hasn't been done in 51 years. Scott Dixon is a five-time IndyCar champion. I mean, what is it, Townsend, that makes him so good? Experience, technique, a relentless pursuit at, at improving. And to me, I think the biggest thing, and if, if I'm racing in the IndyCar series right now, the thing that concerns me nothing has changed in his world. And it's been solid for the last few years. Same team owner with Chip Ganassi that's provided him all the resources he needs. Same race engineer, same wife. I mean, you know, you know what it's like to, <laughs> to just have things stay the same when you're successful. And so he's, he's a locomotive of, uh, of success right now. And I don't see any reason why he's going to slow down or potentially not go for his sixth championship. What really stands out to me that's always stood out about Scott Dixon is really just his attitude, right? Like, whether it's going fantastic or they're struggling, you just never really see his facial, you know, they, they don't change, like, his attitude. He's, he, yeah, every driver gets a little frustrated here or there, but 
we call him the Iceman for a reason, just because the fact that it, nothing really faces him and is a, a competitor, that gets under your skin because even when you think you got him down, you never see it on his face. And eventually he just finds a way to work himself back into races and, and championships, and I think it's going to be the same this year. When you have consistency with success, it opens, I think, yourself up mentally, the bandwidth to, uh, to observe at a higher level. And, and the decision-making that Scott Dixon has all season long about you know when to hold him, when to fold him kind of thing, in the critical moments, he knows how to extract the most amount of points yeah. from a race weekend. And over, over the balance of a season, it's, he just always comes on in the second half. He's always there in the hunt. And when, in the, when the chips are really on the line, like at Sonoma last year, He's nobody can touch him. So let me ask you something about that. You say, okay, opens up the bandwidth. Is almost so it gives him a freedom. Like he kind of is is free to sort of experiment or explore or just sort of know that he doesn't have the pressure. Maybe like a Sebastian Bourdais. Sebastian Bourdais is going down to St. Pete, hoping and trying to do exactly what he did last year. So he goes in with confidence, momentum, but does he also go in with a lot of pressure on his shoulders? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think if you're if you're a hired gun in IndyCar, one of the top guys, your team owner expects you to figure it out with your engineer and your crew. How do you go beat Scott Dixon? And for Sebastian Bourdais last year, they figured it out. He's got a small team, not nearly the resources of the Ganassi people, but he has great people on his team, Sebastian Bourdais does, and you can see the decision he made right there to keep it clean down in turn one and take the win. So. There's the chance to have surprises come up in our IndyCar season, but over the course of the year, you've got to figure out how to beat Scott Dixon over the long haul. That's the hard part, not just one weekend. And listen, as a race car driver, no matter what, you're always putting pressure on yourself. And that's the thing, you know, whether there's pressure from the outside world or more than anything, you're just doing it on yourself. It's how you react to that pressure. There are people that are a lot better than other people at reacting when it's on the line, whether it's going for a pole lap, a race win, or more importantly, for the championship. And to me right now, and, and we've seen it, uh, we just saw the stats over the last you know decade, there's nobody be better at it than Scott Dixon. So, uh, but that's what makes this IndyCar series so much fun because we can have surprises yeah. every weekend, whether it's from a big team or a smaller team. The field is close enough. If you get it right on any given weekend, you can go out there and win the race. I'm so excited to see what happens. And as we said, it all kicks off this weekend. And you guys mentioned some of those great uh, members in the rookie class this season. Earlier today, that class got even stronger. Help me out, guys. It's Pato, right? Pato Award. Did I say it right? Pato. Pato. Yeah. Not even close. It's That's hard, but yeah. <laughs> Last year's Indy Lights champion will compete in 13 races this season for the Carlin team. His first race, so not this weekend, it's going to be March 24th at Austin. He will also look to make his first Indianapolis 500 this May. So we mentioned a few of the names who will likely be writing the headlines in IndyCar this year, but nobody has penned a more inspirational story than Robert Ricketts. You do not have to be a racing fan to appreciate or be moved by his journey. We'll update you on his path to recovery next. Sunday, the 2019 IndyCar season begins in St. Petersburg. Have we mentioned that? I feel like we've talked about that. Once. It's important. Coverage starts at 12.30 Eastern, leading to the race at 1.30 on NBCSN. And, of course, this May, the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500. It's on NBC, NBC Sports, the new exclusive home of IndyCar. And speaking of the Indy 500, check out this film that will debut right around our Indy coverage.
I love Mario Andretti because it was the only time my dad would watch racing. See, my dad only watched sports that had Italians in them. He stopped watching the Yankees when DiMaggio left. He stopped boxing when, when uh, Marciano and Graciano, they stopped, ah, I'm through with this, I'm through with this. But I said, Dad, the Indianapolis 500s, I don't care about that. Dad, Mario Andretti, Andretti, what, what are you, Italian? Hey, 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 Italian won the race, look at that. Now, when you do The Tonight Show, you don't really meet Batman, you meet the guy who plays Batman, the guy who plays Superman. When you meet Mario Andretti, you meet the guy who won the Indy 500, who won Formula One. You know, it's, uh, it was impressive. We are going to get you so ready for the Indianapolis 500, you'll be painting checkered flags on your neighbor's lawn. But if you still need another reason to get behind the stories that we're telling, look no further than Robert Wickens. Last August, Robert was severely injured in a crash at Pocono Raceway. Since then, he has shared the ups and downs of his recovery with the world on social media. Yesterday, Wickens announced that he will you know, attend Sunday's IndyCar opener. Of getting back at an IndyCar. How often do you think about what it would be like to, to climb back aboard one of those? Every day. Yeah. Every single day I think about what it's going to be like. And yeah, that's, it's, it's all I know how to do. It's what I've, I told my parents when I was 10 years old that I wanted to be a race car driver. And at the time, my parents kind of like humored me a little bit. And then they, you know, it's like me telling my parents, I, I want to be an astronaut and I want to be the first person on Mars. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, it's like, it's this unachievable thing. But then, you know, worked hard, did a lot of sacrifice, and, and, and there I was. And I'm too young to just give that up. And I don't, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care how hard I have to work. Um, I'm going to come back. You will see that entire interview with Kelly Stavis as part of the pre-race coverage on Sunday. Townsend, you know Robert. First off, what will seeing him at the season opening race mean to the entire IndyCar community? I think it'll just be the personification of, of the incredible desire that Robert has to compete, uh, to drive race cars, and I think probably to be around his family. I mean, it, these, are the, these are the folks that he spent um, you know, most of uh, the beginning of last year with. Uh, demonstrating exceptional talent. And I said it many times on the air, um, I'm not aware of, of an IndyCar driver to ever come in and learn oval racing as fast as he did. And he showed up at the first race uh, in St. Pete, as AJ said earlier, just as a, as a contender right away, up front, top fives, podiums. And it was just a brutal uh, uh, timing for him to have that right on his rookie run on his way. But when you see the smile on his face, um, you know, in an interview, thinking about coming back to the racetrack, seeing him get on the airplane to fly to St. Pete, I'm just, uh, I'm humbled, I'm inspired, and, and I'm excited for him. The inspiration to me is, is what you said there, that I mean, I don't, I've never met Robert. I, I got to watch him, you know, learn really who he was last year, and, and he burst onto the scene, and from... St. Petersburg on was was a guy contending for the championship and and lifting his race team Schmidt Peterson to a new level, and when I saw that wreck in Pocono, I mean my my heart just sank and you just at the time you think of the worst and, and you hope for the best and to see what he's done and through all the social media not hiding from it not saying you know what you know I'm not going to let people see the struggles. I'm going to be open about the struggles that I'm going to have to go through because I'm going to inspire other people. I'm going to show that never give up attitude. And we just heard it right there. 
what's the one thing on his mind? I can't wait to get back into the race car. So to be at St. Petersburg, everybody that, that hasn't been able to see him or, or people that haven't seen him a lot, see him being at the racetrack, it's just going to uplift the whole paddock there. It's going to make St. Petersburg as a season opener even better if it can get that. But it's, uh, it's something that we should all look at and really uh, just focus on what it means to be inspired. It's no different than and you've talked about, Alex and Artie. Yeah. Somebody like that. It just People like that bring it to a new level. So uh, I'm pumped that he's going. And how cool is it for his race team to say, hey, we have a car waiting yep. for you. So there's there's a hole there to fill, and he's he's fighting every day to fill it, and, and uh, it's just going to be an incredible weekend to have him there. I know, Townsend, you're heading from here to St. Pete. Robert Wickens has a head start on you. You mentioned him getting on the plane. He actually posted the video. Uh, here he is, I mean, walking up the steps to board the airplane yeah. to head to St. Pete the first time uh, back in the back in the paddock since that injury. Head start in a much nicer airplane than I'll be traveling <laughs> on. So uh, he's well ahead already. Uh, so cool because, again, as, as drivers, you guys, I mean, you know, you're racing and, and those grandstands, not everyone in those grandstands is rooting for you. Obviously, everyone has their favorite driver. I think everyone watching right now, again, whether you're a fan of IndyCar or not, is rooting for Robert Wickens in life. I mean, flat out, that's Yeah, that's I mean, the story. it's just, it's, you, you can, inspiration's not even the word. I mean, there's so many more. It's just, it, it's awesome to see how much he's putting in and showing all of us how if you never give up, you can get back to what you want to do. And I think one of the things that's great about going to the racetrack and, 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 and being there and seeing everybody is that once he puts a headset on and he's on the timing stand, then yeah. it'll really yeah. it'll really energize. He's already pumped to, to be back in the, in the cockpit. But once you start to really dig in with your race team and you're hearing feedback from the drivers and you're watching the engineers process data and feedback and making setup changes, that'll really just kind of give an additional boost yeah. to his whole recovery. Yeah, and if you want to hear more of his story, again, Kelly Stavis sat down with him. You'll hear that on our pre-race coverage on Sunday, beginning at 1230 Eastern here on NBCSN. All right, when we come back, we will talk other things than IndyCar. I know IndyCar, we could fill really the whole show with IndyCar. Fine by me. I know, Townsend's okay with it. But hey, don't go far because we've got IMSA coming up as well. We're going to talk Supercross. I think we've got NASCAR. AJ, are you cool with NASCAR? Yeah, we can do a little this? bit of NASCAR right. as well. Yeah. That's the plan. We'll see you in just a bit. to talk NASCAR and let's start our discussion guys really the same way you start any day with cereal did you know it's National Cereal Day what's your favorite do you have a favorite cereal Apple Jacks AJ really oh. Apple Jacks yeah. you have to say that even if it's not yeah what about you I'm constantly experimenting oh, cereal is okay. very popular in the Bell household <laughs> right now it's the cinnamon cinnamon checks okay yeah I'm, I'm, I'm partial to those right now right. yeah you guys can say you, you you'll know <laughs> You'll know this will tell you a lot about my personality. Grape nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Old yeah. school. AJ's like, mm -mm. Mm, all right. Oh, yeah. Party at Christmas house. <laughs> NASCAR has, I knew you were going to say that. NASCAR has had a long tradition of putting cereal brands on cars. See, we're tying it back to NASCAR somehow. Dale Earnhardt, of course, the 1997 All Star Race. The Wheaties car. A lot of Wheaties boxes probably on people's sort of shelves with, with the Intimidator. Terry Labonte, 1990s Cornflakes. That was a big one. That was a yeah, popular that, paint scheme. That car always stood out, too. Yeah. Oh, of course, the early 2000s. You had John Andretti with Cheerios. 
They did the honey nut version of that, didn't That's they? Right. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Made me now there are Cheerios. so many Cheerios. Isn't it crazy? There's so many. Clint Boyer in 2009, the Charlotte Fall Race had, I do not remember this, the Count Chocula, Frankenberry, yeah. and Booberry. I don't scheme. think Clint Boyer needs a cereal with a ton more sugar in it to get him even more amped up. Because that had to be, I mean, Count Chocula, that's, that's good. Chris Buescher last year. Here you go, Townsend. Have you had the them? Maple Cheerios? Whoa. Cheerios. Have you had those? Blow my mind. I never had those available now. I'm not going to lie. I did try those when they were in the hauler, and uh, that sounds good. they were quite good, actually. That yeah. sounds really yeah. good. All right, so there you go. Last fall, we're going to move past cereal, I guess, and get you. I don't even know. But I was, I thought I had a transition there. Yeah. And it just no. Mm. It just where's the where's that milk from the Indy 500? Yeah. We can't talk cereal <laughs> without milk. Last fall was the first time drivers raced on the new look Phoenix track. NBC, of course, was there. You had old turn one became new turn three. Everybody was confused. You had a new fan zone. It was that's cool. It was located in and around Victory Lane. The fans loved it. The desert has never looked so good, but. Do you remember who won? Am I supposed to answer that? I don't know. That? I thought that was going to be. Trying to, uh, I mean, I'm <laughs> pretty. It was pretty, a delayed I'm, pause. Yeah, I was pretty sure drama. Kyle Busch won that, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, I got it yeah. right. Yeah. I, I thought that. See? I Winning machine. Yeah. So, I guess let's go right into Kyle Busch. Can Kyle Busch do it again? I mean, is he someone? He hasn't been to victory lane yet. We're only three races in. So, I mean, we're not going to yeah, hit the he's panic on a, button. He, he's on a huge drought. <laughs> I mean, I. Kyle Busch, I think he's finished. Does he leave? Okay, so let me ask you this way. Does no. he leave Phoenix feeling better than he did going in? Happy or sad after uh, this race? I mean, if I have to take a guy leading up to it, I'm going to take Harvick. So Kyle Busch is really upset if he doesn't win a race. So I'm going to say he's probably sad leaving Phoenix. Okay. He, Harvick might win this thing, and he'll be sad. Yeah. Townsend, jump in. You just became our NASCAR analyst, by the way. You know, listen, Kyle was, was so dominant in Vegas in, uh, in the truck series in the Xfinity race. He was, I thought, pretty strong in the race as well. Uh, they're going to find a way to get that that M&M's Toyota to the front, I think. I, I, I'll pick him for yeah, the win. Okay. I'll take right, him. I'll call you on Monday. I mean, it's not like. really going out on a limb. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like this is turning into, like, the debate section. It so could. we'll stick with this. All right, you said Harvick. He's going to yeah. win. Uh, that's why I feel, I mean, it's Harvick's place. Yeah. I, I feel like, but it's going to be. Kyle Busch is going to be up front. For sure. But he, Kyle Busch is just mad if he doesn't win. So do you agree with AJ that Kevin Harvick will win the race this weekend? Well, I picked Kyle Busch just now, but I, I, <laughs> I can easily see Harvick. I mean, it's out west. It's close to home there in Bakersfield, and, and uh, he knows how to get it done on the short tracks. But I'm going to stick with Kyle. You take Harvick. Okay. Let's, uh, let's bet for beers. Sounds good to me. Yeah, beers plural. Beers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you... Like you can't, you got to get ready for Sebring next week, though. So you can't be oh, getting yeah. a couple of days. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Oh, that's the clock. There's. I didn't know we had a clock. We had a clock. Okay. Sorry. Good. I'm really paying All attention right. today, as you can see. Um, Newman, Ryan Newman, and we bring him up because I think that was his last win. AJ was at Phoenix it, a couple of years ago. It was, and they've had a Ryan Newman with with Roush Fenway, new team for him. Yeah. They've had a bit of a struggle. Uh, haven't shown a lot of pace so far. Uh, this new aero package. So. Phoenix is a place that Ryan Newman always runs well at. It doesn't matter what car he's in. He always seems to find a way to, to make the car better than it's been running. So for where they've been at in the season, I'm going to say, yeah, he's a little happier than he's been leaving this race. I think he'd be happy if – I'd love to see Ryan Newman and Joey Logano square mm. off in the paddock again. And, and, <laughs> you and like Newman that? And Newman dress him down. And, and uh, I, I, 
like that in Ryan. I want to see that come back out. Good old short track will get that done. I don't know if Phoenix is a short track, but it's short enough. It is. It yeah. races like a short track, yeah, right? Even though it's a mile. Okay. So Ricky Stenhouse, and he's sort of been, I, I mean, yes, in the headlines for a lot of reasons. But you look at the standings. Ricky yes. Stenhouse is in the fight. Yeah, he, he's had, I don't know if you call it a quiet season so far because <laughs> he's ruffled some feathers. But he is seventh in points. And, it, yes, it's early, but that's a great start to the season. So uh, he's, if you're comparing to Ryan Newman, the 17 teams outrun the six so far at the beginning of the year. And uh, going into Phoenix, it's a place that he runs okay at. Uh, I, I'm going to say he's happy. He stays on track, whether that's inside the top five, maybe right on the edge of the top ten. Okay. You do that, you're going to make your way into the playoffs. So he's going to do the same, whether that's – I'm going to say he's going to run anywhere from 8th to about 14th. What do you think, Townsend? Anything to add on – Yeah, they're strong on, the, strong on the big tracks. They always are. But, I mean, if you look at the strength in, in NASCAR right now uh, with some of the top teams, I don't think he's coming out of here that happy. I think, I think we see him drop down the list a little bit. I feel bit. like A.J. didn't give you a lot of time there. Well, well it's the way he rolls. Yeah. <laughs> he's still mad about Daytona. I am mad. He made me wait. <laughs> You're going back to the Rolex? No, oh. no. At, the, at, at Rolex, we had a, yeah. the end of the, the day shoot. Well, he happened to be celebrating on the podium and didn't know he had Excuse extra work to do. Me. All right, anyway. so we may we have IMSA coming up. We might yeah. revisit that. Okay, Carry on. Kurt Busch. Um, Kurt Busch has been, I mean, pretty good. You guys are both nodding. Pretty good this season, you know, early on. Yeah, he's quietly been inside the top five the last two races been kind of carrying it for the Chevy teams Kyle Larson's been fast but at Atlanta had that speeding penalty and then at Vegas had that uh, too many men over the wall penalty so he led some laps uh, over the last couple of races I'm going to say he's still happy leaving okay. yes I would agree with that. I think Kurt is settling into that new team over at Ganassi. It's pretty cool to see a guy with all of his success and experience move into a new team and perform right away. That's the expectation. He's getting it done. I see that freight train continuing. Okay, a couple of names that really could come out. Phoenix, I think, feeling pretty good. What about Eric Almarola? I've already said too many people are happy here, but... Uh, you like Eric, the emoji. It's your favorite Yeah, emoji. I do. You know, Eric Almarola just goes about his business, and they have fast race cars at, at Stuart Haas. Uh, you know, I, I look at that it depends on what – everybody wants to win every race. Mm -hmm. So if it's inside the top three, then I say he leaves unhappy. He's going to be kind of that 6th that to 10th, I think, range, but okay. still going to be solid. I don't agree. I think you've already picked uh, Kevin Harvick, so that team's quick. He's going to be quick. I think Amarillo's coming out of here with a top mm. five big smile. Okay. Eric Jones. We'll, we'll finish with Eric Jones. You know, Eric is uh, – Phoenix is a racetrack that he's really good at. He, he's been good in the trucks there. He was good in Xfinity. Uh, I just feel like at some point, Eric really needs to step up. I mean, he, he's got two top tens during the year, but it's time for him to go out there and, and show dominance at a race. Okay. Uh, I just haven't seen it yet, so, so not happy. I'm going to stick with that theme. Okay. I, I think, yeah. you know, I, I, like AJ, I just haven't, you know, I haven't seen the the – opportunity and results fully realized yet and maybe it'll come at some yeah. point but i just don't know that the phoenix is going to be the weekend for that um 
God, it's hard bagging on another driver a little bit. I, wanna, I want to share what, for everybody. It's got to be straight up. That's here's what, what I enjoy is uh, Townsend just really, I mean, we're having some fun with you. You just became our uh, a NASCAR analyst yeah. along with AJ, and the, you, didn't, you didn't realize you were going to do that. Well, my phone's today. blowing up right now. No, but you don't know nothing. But about here's what it shows, though, is as drivers, you guys follow and pay attention yeah. to all forms of racing yeah. and, and respect um, anybody who's behind the wheel. Oh, absolutely. All right, so Townsend is going to stay with us to talk about something he definitely knows a whole lot about, IMSA racing, the upcoming race at Sebring that he will be in. You Maybe he both. won't sleep so much during Sebring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get to the bottom of that. But up next, Super Supercross star Cooper Webb continues to be the hottest rider in the sport after another win last weekend in Atlanta. Is the 450 title his to lose? We'll discuss that next on the Motorsports Hour. Austin Fortner. Just about perfect so far. This is the East-West Showdown. A lot of hype about Fortner and Adam Cianciarolo being the top two guys. Here we go. Cross him up. Inside. Makes the pass. Adam Cianciarolo takes the lead. Bragging rights go to Adam Cianciarolo. Fortner finishes third. That's technically a win for me. Most powerful bikes in Supercross racing ready to drop the gate. Webb gets the whole shot. He'll win his fifth race of the year. To get this one here, it's, I think this might be top one. <laughs> what a year it has been for the rider of number two. All right, so that's Supercross, basically in, what, a minute. Uh, but it had a lot of great stuff in there. And I don't know if you know Townsend. AJ is sort of our Supercross expert. Oh, really? Yes, you are well, in I the... mean, Townsend's out there riding riding motorcycles out on the West Coast there in Cali. I so. hit the tracks, yeah. yeah. That's like eight winners, so let's get you out there. Okay. Let's hit some triples. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See the expert. I'm, gonna, I'm the expert in the seat here. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool to see Cincerello win, yeah. uh, you know, there in the East-West shootout. You know, he's, he's a guy that you've heard potential so much over the yeah. last few years, and then it's potential injury, potential injury, and, and it feels like this year he's just, everything's come together, and he's just ripping it there, showing, showing what he's got against his teammate uh, in, in really the biggest event so far this year with the East-West shootout, and I can't wait to see that guy on a 450 because he's a taller guy, a bigger guy. I uh, hope he gets a chance in the future. Yeah, seeing Cirillo's dealt with a lot of injuries, and, and that's what happens in Supercross racing is, is you get, you know, at times you're unlucky and you just get injured. But uh, I felt like it was a huge win for him because Austin Forkner on the East Coast hadn't lost a race yet. He hadn't lost a heat race, really hadn't lost a qualifying session, hadn't lost a main event, and Austin Forkner got the whole shot, and Adam seeing Cirillo ran him down took the lead and kind of just rode off. And, uh, you know, in that East-West battle, it was kind of won by the West Coast because Dylan Ferrandez finished second, which is also a West Coast guy, and Austin Austin Forkner finished third. So uh, a big win for uh, Adam, and, and it's his fourth win, and that's the thing. It kind of gets lost in the shuffle because it's been East Coast for the last how many weeks, and he's having a great year as well. Okay, so C. and Cirillo sort of slayed the dragon, if you will, because Forkner had been sort of dominating but not the case in the 450s because it's all Cooper Webb. It's ridiculous. I mean, this guy's just come, uh, not out of nowhere, but, I mean, the stories yeah, coming mean, into this year were, were Roxon. You know, you had uh, Jason Anderson get hurt, uh, Eli Tomac, of course. But Cooper Webb has just, I mean, look at this, five wins this season. 
And, you know, after the first one, they said it was going to be an avalanche, and it has been. He's just been performing so well. I love the way he rides, too. He lets the bike kind of soak up into his body so much, and, and, and it's very unique. When I was there in Anaheim, too, to see it, and uh, I just I, I think it's pretty incredible that a young guy's come up and surprised the, the big dogs. Yeah, I mean, he just really – it kind of was his last team. Red Bull KTM was kind of taking a chance on him. He'd struggled, and five wins all of a sudden, and, and now he – in those races – He's had guys run him down, put pressure on him, and he showed, you know what, I'm not going to crack under pressure, and he's definitely the guy to beat now. Five victories, it's it's pretty crazy. He can kind of do no wrong. In fact, you know how the, uh, the Mega Million lottery winner hasn't really, they haven't announced who it is? I think it's Cooper Webb. Is it? <laughs> I feel like it's, I mean, he's, wow. he's doing everything right. Who knows? Because I said he should go buy a lottery ticket. Maybe he's already won. Probably. You're, you might be right. Who knows? All right. Yeah. You guys mentioned, yeah, some other names. I mean, obviously, Eli Tomac, um, Marvin Muskan, right? Muskan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just sort of. Trying to get in the mix, but when Cooper Webb is doing everything right, it's hard to even break in. Well, and the thing is, is Eli Tomac is so hot and cold. It, it really comes down to his starts. If he has a great start, it seems like he has kind of a, a good event, a good race. But really, it's just weird because one weekend, he's the fastest guy by a mile. And then this past weekend in Atlanta, he didn't qualify very well. His heat race wasn't good. He had a terrible start in the main and never had any speed. Roxon's just consistent, not doing anything spectacular. Marvin had a shot. He ran Cooper down, had a chance to pass him, made a mistake, and Cooper rode off from there. It's getting in, it's getting in riders' heads. It it's like what you might do at Sebring next week. I feel Ooh. like I knew that was going to go that direction. Well, Supercross heads to Daytona where it is bike week. Bike week. That's, that's rocking down there. All right, half a million people will be part of the fun. And really, look at the two-wheel takeover uh, heading into Daytona. I mean, you've got Supercross this weekend, um, Daytona uh, American Flat Track. Next Thursday, it'll air on NBCSN March 24th. And then the American Sport Bike Racing Association's Daytona 200. That's on the same road course as you guys are familiar with, with the Rolex 24. So no question, a whole lot of action in Daytona. In fact, 7,000 tons of dirt laid down at Daytona. That equals 14 million pounds. I mean, it's it's just crazy to see what they do to build these racetracks. And... Hey, Townsend, what do you think? You're, you're going to get on a sport bike and go run the 200 as well? <laughs> oh, man. I, I've done some track days on sport bikes, but uh, running the high banks, sometimes in the rain there, too. It's yeah. nuts down at Daytona, but you got to love the Supercross race there because it races a little more like the outdoors, and it usually mixes it up. I look for Eli Tomac to be pretty strong. And it's, that it's one of those races because whether it's weather or it's just a crazy racetrack that Ricky Carmichael builds, you had a guy like Justin Brayton become the oldest winner in Supercross and 450 history last year, winning his first event at 34 years old. So anything can happen at Daytona. I remember that excitement, too. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Ricky Carmichael designs the course, so it's always a, a big event. You talk about those big events, the Indy 500. I mean, for Supercross, this is it. Daytona, that's yep. a big event, and it's happening this weekend. Well, Townsend is back. We're not letting him out of here yet. He's coming back to talk about the series where he'll be racing next weekend. The NHL's biggest stars shine bright on an NBCSN star Sunday doubleheader. First, Brad Marchand and the Bruins take on Evgeny Malkin and the Penguins. Then Drew Doughty and the Kings head down to Anaheim to face off with Ryan Getzlaff and the Ducks. NHL star Sunday beginning at 7.30 Eastern on NBCSN. Earlier this week, one of IndyCar's top stars, Joseph Newgarden, went inside the glass with Pierre Maguire. It's so great to have Joseph Newgarden. 
Gardner in the box. Can you believe how big these guys are, Joseph? They are pumped, man. I've never been on the glass like this. This is so cool. This is what you might be in store for tonight. I've heard about this. I saw this. Look, you about to get hit in the head, man. You got to be careful out there. So I actually brought you a present. I gave you, I'm going to give you a racing helmet. This is what we use to keep our he he heads safe in the race cars. So and maybe it'll help you in the future. Oh, that looks good. It's a perfect fit. Back to you guys in the studio. <laughs> well, I'm trying to stay back. You're guarding me. You're pushing me out of the way when the puck's coming. But uh, I love it. How about that guy? Right there, you and Roman Yossi. Roman's the man. You know, like I told you earlier, it was so cool to see him when he first got here to where he is now. And, and to see where this team's come. I mean, it's been amazing the last couple of years, and Nashville really, really adds to that energy. You are crazy for what you do, so thanks no, for giving me this you opportunity. Are crazy. <laughs> I can't wait to see it from St. Petersburg this weekend. Absolutely, right on NBC Sports uh, Network, dude. I love those crossovers they're doing in the NHL, seeing those drivers get inside the glass. After being ringside in Nashville, Joseph Newgarden is off to Florida where there's plenty of racing over the next week. Yeah, we talked about Daytona. You've got, obviously, IndyCar. They're in St. Petersburg, AJ. They are. I know. I had yes. to study my geography earlier in the break. And uh, IMSA racing in Sebring. IMSA returns to action with the 12 hours of Sebring. Of course, it's almost 150 miles from Daytona. Townsend, back with us. And really, you never left, Townsend. I, I say back with us, but you've been a part of every segment on the show today, as it should be. And you're going to be back in the car for Sebring for IMSA's second race of the season, another endurance event. Uh, in January, you guys were actually both pulling double duty. You were both racing at Rolex. You're both on the air. Um, so this one, I, I hate to say it's easier because I don't think anything you do, guys, is easy. But what are you looking forward to with Sebring? I'm just looking forward to an awesome racetrack, uh, great fans. I mean, it's wild at the Sebring 12 hours. You go into that infield, there are some people that uh, look like they might live there. Around <laughs> and never left from last never year. Left maybe? from last year. It's a huge event down there, and the track is so much fun to drive. And uh, you know, they got the prototypes as you see there, GT cars bouncing around. You can use so much of the, the landscape, the canvas, if you will, in terms of curbing, bumps. Just there's a lot of, of um, freedom as a driver in terms of how you place your car. I just love racing there. It's a challenge, it's very physical. And we're second at Daytona, which means we're now leading the points because oh, the guy yeah. that won, they're not running the full season. So it's, it's defend the one. That's our mentality going into this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Sebring's a place that I've, I've driven at many a times. I've never raced in the 12 hours of Sebring, and, and what always stands out to me is that Daytona, when we get at night, there's a lot of lights that, you know, really doesn't make it like it's night. So at Sebring, there are no lights out there. So how hard is it for you during the race, especially as a, a GTD car where the prototypes are coming and just kind of always on top of you to know what's going on and and not making a mistake of, of where they are going because you really can't see anything out there, it looks like. It it feels like that. Yeah. And, uh, every, every year I race at Sebring, and everything's going great. Daytime, sun's going down, we're good. And then when it's dark, you, you think to yourself, this is nuts. Yeah. This is a bad idea. It's, <laughs> you can't see anything exiting turn one or coming on the backside. Now, they do bring in some temporary lights to try to help, but it really does nothing. Like you said, you feel like... Uh, it's 50 years ago. It, and that's what's cool about Sebring. It's an old racetrack. It really has very little in terms of modern improvement, and I love that. It has all that rich character, and uh, it's a tough, tough race. You come out on top at Sebring, it's a, it's a big accomplishment. So, Krista, I'm not yeah. sure if, uh, if you know this or not. We had to do a, a little thing at the end of Daytona, and, you know, he was celebrating, and I had to wait for him as we talked about. But something I learned there is, 
you slept for eight and a half hours during uh, during the race and never really woke up until about noon and, and saw your team battling for the podium. So at Sebring, how much more physically grueling of a racetrack in a 12-hour period is that over Daytona, obviously being a 24-hour race? Because when I watch it and what I've experienced just driving race cars on the racetrack, it is rough. Turn one and turn 17 feels like your head is just bouncing around. So physically, how much harder is it of a race? Well, the thing with Sebring is that, you know, different from Daytona is we see some some onboard action here at Daytona. You see how smooth it is. It's all paved. We get to Sebring. Those turn one, turn 17s are concrete. Yeah. And they're concrete from like the 40s. And there's some sealer and things, but the vertical bumps just get rougher and rougher each year. But in terms of sleep, man, you're right. I slept. Yeah. I had a beauty sleep at Daytona yeah. this year. Best sleep of my life. That was because of the rain and the yeah. red flags. It worked out great, actually, for me. But give me Sebring any day because it's a. It's almost like a 12-hour sprint race, and I love I love staying up and, and going for it. I had to drive home after I Daytona. I was going to say, I feel like AJ brings it up just, because you joined us on the broadcast, and you had, at that point, had, had zero sleep. Zero sleep. Yeah. I think it had a little more to, to watching me spray champagne. Yeah, anyway. Where did you finish in that one? Well, we finished fourth. Oh, well, that's All right. Okay. Hey, yeah. whatever. Okay. Anyway, good luck, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel it. I good feel luck. Love. Good luck. I will be calling the race. Yeah, I'm sure so, you will. So uh, don't let me down. Hey, call it like it is. Okay. All right. This battle will fair. continue on track and in the broadcast booth next weekend at Sebring. A reminder, tomorrow is International Women's Day. So up next, we're going to shine a light on a female driver making history, continuing to make history in stock car racing. More to come after this here on the Motorsports Hour on NBCSN. Big one tonight in Pittsburgh. Right now, Sidney Crosby and his Penguins have a spot in the East playoffs. However, someone's looking to change that. That would be Artemi Panarin and the Columbus Blue Jackets on the outside looking in for now. The push for the playoffs hits Pittsburgh tonight. Oh, that's going to be a big game. Our global motorsports star of the week, also big. It's Haley Deegan. Haley does it again from the NASCAR K&N Pro Series West. The 17-year-old made a last lap pass to take the win last Thursday on the dirt in Las Vegas. The day after, she announced a deal to run six ARCA races this season. More proof that her future keeps getting brighter. Last Thursday wasn't just a big win for Haley Deegan, but also a proud moment for her father, of course, action sports icon Brian Deegan. Here's a look at how the night went from their perspective. shined off. Lane three is where the grip is, so you know. And it's rougher today. For whatever reason, the dirt on exit is choppier. It's just bumpier. Can you go up to the wall on exit by the checkers? Is there a grip over there? Because it looks like you have a half car length off the wall. Okay, I do the direction I do like, but I just need like half back. She's a dirt racer, so she wants to overdrive everything. And off-road trucks have a lot of suspension and, and grip in the tire, so you can do that. These cars are made for concrete. It's a long race. I told her to kind of back up, get some room, look ahead. About halfway is where we need to start getting on it. And the KM Pro Series West Championship for 2019 is underway. Haley Deegan in the 19, she's starting to push forward through the field and 
get a little track position. Well, don't look in your rearview mirror because here comes that monster claw with Haley Deegan behind the wheel. She might be the fastest race car out on the track right now. Her mentality coming into this race is to go big or go home. Jagger Jones in the orange and blue number six. Haley Deegan in the black 19. You can tell she is much more aggressive on the throttle. Look how deep she drives into the corner again. Close up that distance. I'm sure she can just get there. She'll put the bumper to Jagger in the six. Well, let's see. Here's the white flag. What does he do with the left traffic? Oh, can he use it to his advantage? No. He gets hung up by the 52. Here comes Haley inside. Haley Deegan shoving her way past the six. Powering off the four. And Haley Deegan will win the season opener in Vegas. And I second again. I was done getting second. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this win. <laughs> and I just knew, I was like, for some reason, back in the back of my mind, like, 20 last ago, I was like, watch this come down to last lap again. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. And we got done. Wow! <laughs> It's fun to see her family's reaction there. I think she gets her energy from her dad. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's awesome. In her, in her two victories, she's led for about, I think, five-eighths of a lap. <laughs> she's made two last lap passes. And what she's doing right now is great. And what's better about it is her dad, Brian, and, and her every, all of her people around her aren't rushing her. She announced six ARCA races. She's running K&N West races. So they're not pushing her to move her up too quick so she can get that experience. But she's uh, got a lot of talent. I'll tell you, that metal militia runs yeah. thick in that family. Not yeah. only does, you know, Haley is doing so well, and you can see that little militia attitude come out on the last lap there, getting inside on the dirt. But they've got Danger Boy yeah. running, running uh, I think, 85s or something. And then the, the youngest son, forget his name, Forgive me, but he was in Anaheim when I was there. He won the KTM mini race in front oh, of 60,000 wow. people. And and then there's Brian Deegan, who's seemingly at every single yeah. event and still doing his own thing. So they're, say, they're Brian, how does family. he not age? Like, that's <laughs> yeah, what's I, crazy. Is uh, Yeah, we also want to give an honorable mention to Scott McLaughlin, who drives for Team Penske. This is in the Australian Supercar Series. McLaughlin, the defending series champion, right, AJ? And he swept yeah. both races in last weekend's season opening event. Uh, we may see more of him in the years ahead. I've uh, I've got to meet Scott a couple of times at a go-kart race in, in Las Vegas. And uh, what he's done the last couple of years being part of Team Penske, he's just taken it to the next level. Defending champ, but uh, when it comes to qualifying, getting everything out in one lap, he's the best in the series. And when it comes to going out there and winning races, he is absolutely the man. His dream, he said, was to come to NASCAR. He wants Ooh. to kind of follow Marcus Ambrose's steps. All right. Well, the path has been laid out. So what about the path for the podium in St. Pete? That's a lot of P's. But uh, Townsend, who do you think? Who's going to win and who who uh, who does who does okay? I like Alexander Rossi for the win. Okay. Uh, consistency with his team and race engineer with Jeremy Millis. Um, they were strong last year at St. Pete. Uh, they've done a lot of testing down there in Sebring as well. I think... I think also you're going to see Will Power pretty strong. Nobody has the freakish rest, you know, reflexes like Will Power does. But Ryan Hunter Ray scored more points in the final two races than anybody. AJ, what do you think? Uh, it's going to be close, but I'm going Will Power. He's going to come out strong. Uh, Rossi's going to be quick. He's. I feel like Rossi's going to be on the podium, finishing second. And I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden. He kind of he kind of lost his way the second half of the season. He's going to be fast. All right, and we didn't have time for NASCAR picks. Parker's not in the race, but I think he put himself on his fantasy well, yeah, team. that makes sense. Even though he's not in the race. I just like the jab. We started with a jab. We had to finish with a jab. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again next Thursday. Enjoy all of the racing this weekend.
This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.